Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I'm Deborah Sweet from DebraSweet.com and that's two B's, Deborah. Deborah is a author, speaker, trainer, coach, all-around mentor for entrepreneurs and for you education entrepreneurs out there, we're going to get into a lot of broad topics and try to help you get unstuck today. But first, Deborah, thank you for coming on the show. Chris, thank you so much for having me here. I've been so excited and I couldn't wait for today to come. It's not, not only do I get to spend the day with you, but it's also my son's 18th birthday. So this is a real cool day. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that milestone. Thank you. On your website, you, you've got kind of a, uh, a, a cowgirl theme, uh, trailblazing. <laughs> entrepreneur. Why do you use the word trailblazing? That's a great question. And so my world, the way that I have been uniquely wired, ever since I was a very young girl, I realized that I was way ahead of the curve in visioning, understanding. I would come up with ideas that were so far ahead of their time. And so as I have developed in my passions and my pursuits and in my profession, it seems as if whether I was being intentional about being in the lead or more often than not, what happened, Chris, over my years is I'd be involved in a team or a, a work situation or something on the personal level. And there was always this statement that a long time ago, I used to actually get very kind of annoyed with, but it was, I'd hear it all the time. You know what? We need something done. Let's have Deborah do it. So I was always being put in the front of everything. And so over time, um, I just really embraced the concept of leading myself, leading others, and leading the leaders. In fact, that's one of my personal mantras. And the trailblazing part has a lot. Also, it pulls from a little bit of who I am. I love exploration. I love learning new things. I, I've loved for years when I moved into a city to just like plop myself in the middle and go investigate all the little nooks and crannies. And I wanted to meet everybody and understand all the details. I do that for hiking. I ride motorcycles. I, you know, there's a trail. I may not stay on the trail. I'm going to go cut my trail. So it's, it's just very fitting. That's awesome. Well, I, uh, I can really relate to a lot of it in your story there. That's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, what is the trifecta that you talk about? Oh, that I'm trailblazing a trifecta in body, mind, and business. Well, thanks. So this is a really different approach, evidently, for many people, because it's a holistic approach of achieving strength, balance, fulfillment in body, mind, and business. Through my years of growing up, I've had quite a different upbringing. Um, it's been very eclectic. It's been infused with some great accomplishments, achieving amazing goals. I'm very visionary. And yet I've had some incredibly challenging situations in my life that showed up that created these influences that affected how I functioned, what I did. And so along my journey, I actually had to take a lot of time, Chris, to get my physicals into a state of well-being. And through that, I realized that it really 
my, my physical well-being was greatly influenced by my mental well-being and actually then how I performed in business, whether I was an employee or I'm running my own companies, how I performed in business was also really impacted and influenced by my physical wellness or lack thereof or my mental wellness and lack thereof. And, you know, it's interesting that over the years, in fact, you know, I'm going to kind of start to date myself a little bit. So let me, let me just preface this. I started, I started working in business really, really young. So um, we can talk about the age stuff later if you want, but I have observed many different changes over the business world since the seventies. And where this trifecta really becomes important today is that I've watched these cycles of how we live, how we work. And, you know, back in the 80s, which was a radically amazing time for those of us who had a chance to participate in that world, there was this mindset in business. And I think it actually started before the 80s where you had to really be compartmentalized. And what I mean by that is, you know, you'd have your home life and then you'd show up with your friends and you'd party and hang out and be with your friends a different way. And then you go to work and you had to put on a different hat or a different mask and you had to have a different attitude or, you know, you'd have to behave differently in work. And, you know, that created for a lot of dysfunction in a lot of people because the reality is we're not, we don't function well as human beings if we are disconnected or what I call compartmentalized. And so this trifecta is I'm on a mission, Chris, I'm on a mission to create something that's called a thrival. A thrival is a revival of heart, soul, body, mind, and business. So what we say, how we act, what we think, what we do, they are all in alignment. They're all in one accord so that ultimately you can build the business that you've always wanted to build. You can provide for your family the way you've always wanted to, but on a personal level, you can have complete satisfaction, fulfillment, and you can live in a place where what you're doing is led by passion, pure joy, and you actually also get to reap the financial benefits as well. So the trifecta, it's kind of my movement, and it's how I have taken this compartmentalization, and I'm bringing it back into fold so we can be just complete human beings no matter where we're at. Beautiful. You're touching on one of my concepts, which I call... There's so many things that are compartmentalized like you're talking about. Yeah. And just to truly integrate as a human being is the important part of, you know, business health, mental health, physical health. Oh, completely. Health. It's all, it all works together. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, <clears throat> you had a situation where you had a brain injury and you had to pull yourself <laughs> up from that. Can you tell us how that weaves into the narrative? So how much time do I have? <laughs> um, okay, let me give you the short story because literally I'm writing a book about this. I have video documentation about it, but to answer your question for everybody that's here today, yeah, I had a major life interrupt. So to give you the short version of a really intense story and situation that, first of all, I hope nobody ever has to go through, but I'm actually thankful that number one, I survived it. Number two, I know that had this situation not happened in my life, I actually might not be here today. It was a very pivotal um, accident that happened. So 1985, I tried to move a brick wall with my head, a very solid concrete brick wall with my head. 
I slammed into um, this building. I was about four feet away riding a, mo- a, a bicycle at the time. I was trying to not get hit by a car. I was in really good shape at the time. Thank God, literally. And because I rode my bike all the time, I was going really fast. So in that moment, when I hit the wall, the, the bike just kind of went down underneath me. And I, I imagine sliding into home base, only you don't hit home plate. I just hit the wall and it hit right here. I was kind of upside down. In that moment, um, that was life altering. And so a couple of things came out of that. First of all, we know literally I have a very hard head. My, my head did not actually crack open, but I knew in that moment, once I was kind of um, I was stunned a little bit in the moment, I, I reached up on my head. I felt this welt as big as what, you know, if you had a really good pair, it was there. And I, I just knew something wasn't quite right. And I, I won't go into all the, the details right here, but let's just say that was the beginning of what I call the first phase of the time in my life where I lost my ability to walk, talk, speak, remember. That started on a journey for me to understand what happened. I, I um, you know, doctors and appointments and tests trying to figure out what's wrong. Something was really different internally, but I couldn't express it because to the outer world, I presented more or less normal. Um, So without going into all the details, this is stuff that'll be in the book. I eventually moved out here to California. I was physically functioning, but again, I still, I wasn't quite the way I completely used to be. And in the early nineties, I was working down in San Diego. I was working for an advertising promotional company doing uh, phone sales. I call businesses all day, every day and help them build their business. And one day I got up to take a break and my back snapped. And that was the beginning of a very long journey, which lasted about three and a half to four years where I, if you can imagine somebody who has very advanced multiple sclerosis and is always, and and also has maybe cerebral palsy, and they're always in a state of a seizure, that's what my life was like. This was a major pivot for me because I couldn't function in what we call normal day-to-day living. My world once again reverted into doctors and specialists. And I had one focus on my mind, and that is, why can't I walk? So during that time, I amassed a tremendous amount of knowledge. I took another um, life journey, if you will. I, I had always had a passion in wanting to be healthy. And thankfully, I had a core knowledge of how to eat pretty well and vitamins and things along that line. But during that time frame, going to all the doctors, the end result was I had to fire them all because nobody could come up with an answer to my one question, which is why I can't walk. So I met my husband during that time and we started to venture into looking at more what we call here in the States alternative um, practitioners. It's Eastern philosophy, different ways of how does the body heal itself? And Chris, I dug so deep into this that I actually have certification. I am now a certified health health coach. I am a certified herb specialist. I can actually go get my state certification to be a personal trainer. I studied and uh, about finished, I was like 98% through a master's of holistic healing course. And on top of that, I was, stu- I was starting to consider studying becoming a naturopathic doctor. 
I didn't do this because it was my life calling. I amassed myself with this knowledge because I wanted to not, I wanted to heal myself. I didn't want to be in the state I was because internally, and this is really important for everybody that's uh, watching today, my, in my mind right here, I didn't see myself the way that my body was physically manifesting, which trust me, we, I could tell you stories. I could clear buildings because I would freak people out when they would see me. But in my mind's eye, I am like you see me today. I'm walking. I'm at a great health, um, very high capacity. I was living with this vitality. And so through a very long journey and still without knowing what happened, why was I going through this season in my life again where I lost all this mobility? I, myself and my husband, I, I developed my own rehabilitation and I got functioning again. So fast forward to about five years ago, round three. So round three, thanks to technology and the internet, I knew what I didn't have to do. There was, I met some other well practitioners and through working with a couple of well care practitioners and a little bit of cause and effect uh, and, and the internet, I pieced a few things together and all of a sudden the puzzle became complete and I realized that, okay, I've been living with a severe traumatic brain injury and not only did we now understand the why, but now I knew what the next step was to fix it. And so over the last five years, I have been blessed with working with some amazing practitioners and I found some special doctors that their whole, what they do is they work with people that have had these brain injuries. And so I went through what was supposed to be about a year's rehabilitation. And what we've done is we've literally reprogrammed my brain. So my brain mostly functions from this front part and up through here. It, I know it pulls from other pieces around, but we literally opened up a whole new neural network that it, it didn't just take one year. I've been doing this for five years now. I would say that at this as today, as you see me here, I am about 98 to 99% fully rehabilitated. There's still certain things that I have to do every now and then. But what's beautiful about all of this, Chris, and, and I appreciate you letting me kind of share a bit, is that during that time of working with my doctors in this third round, um, I had to, this time I couldn't hide from the world. I was very transparent. I'm I have two businesses. I'm in a big leadership role with a, a lot of people. I'm raising a family. I had to learn how to be transparent with my injury, but allow people to still have confidence that I could care for them with their business. But more importantly, there were certain things, Chris, that I experienced by working with my specialized doctors that I have had glimpses literally as a patient into the brain in ways that most people will never be able to comprehend. In fact, I was able to teach my doctors things about how the brain works. And I, as an adult, part of their treatment protocol, they took me literally back to day zero of infancy. And I learned all over again, what it's really like to learn from the day we're born. And this is really powerful because now when I'm working with my clients, helping them level up in their business or helping them achieve their goals, I'm able to perceive things so differently. And we, I have ways now that I can help short track their successes when they want to step up into the next level of success, because I can communicate with their brain in a way that 
allows them to get out of their own way. They don't have to go through the long detours that it took me to get here, but we're able to produce these amazing results when we're renovating their business, renovating their skill sets. And so, like I said, I this, there's a lot in this story and I can't wait to get my book finished so I can share the depths of the details of how to harness the power of your brain and triumph over any any situation in your life. Well, that's, that's an incredible story. Let's, let's, uh, I have a couple things I'd like to pull out of that. One okay. is this, everybody who's watching this or listening to this is interested in learning. They're creating learning experiences. They're designing courses, memberships. They care about their students or their members learning something. Okay. What's the big insight or what are some of the takeaways when you had to literally kind of rewire your brain? Like, how can we use what you learn there to build better learning experiences? Like, what, what's, what, what are the takeaways? Oh, we need about 10 hours. So let me give you a couple of good ones here. So, so I'm sharing with you not only my ideas, but the reality is, is during that time of these last five years, I had to renovate my business. I had to renovate how I was doing business because I needed to communicate differently. So I'm going to share a couple of tips with you that not only come from my rehabilitation and this whole brain concept, how it, but I'm going to infuse it with understanding of, of, of how we need to be mindful of the way that the internet has influenced how people learn. It's influenced how we do business. And there's an, a component to this that has to do with behavioral motivation and communication. So one of the one of my my tips here, remember, okay, this is a marketing tip, and it, this is a, one of those forever. It always needs to be there. Always remember who your audience is. Who, when you're when you're designing your course, it's important to develop it as if you're speaking to one person. Now, that may be a little bit different, especially if you have a classroom or you're doing masterminds and you've got these big, amazing groups of people that you're serving. However, when it comes to connecting and actually creating the, the, um, the credibility factor, right? There's, there's a concept I'll share real quick that'll make sense. There's something called VCP, visibility, credibility, and profitability. Now, I'm not the creator of VCP. I have a, a, an amazing colleague of mine that has given me tons of permission to use this. So visibility is very important. You have to be visible everywhere. So this is marketing, right? All these different ways of how you get people to your front door, you're visible online, offline. When It's important to be visible. And so when you're building your courses and you're promoting the courses, visibility is very important. But what's more important is that when you're being visible, you need to be credible because what your goal is in developing and promoting this is to leverage your credibility to lead you to the place of profitability. Now, profitability for most people means money in the bank. Okay. My clients, they always want to know, Deb, when am I going to get my ROI? I want money in the bank, but profitability and ROI is more than that. So it's how you connect with your students. So to build your credibility so that there's profit and profit. I'm going to give you a new perspective of the definition. If you embrace a broader definition, it's a profit is the benefit for everybody. It's the benefit of your knowledge. They, they, your students will profit by your knowledge. You profit in return, knowing that you've taught your students well. So in this time frame of building your VCP, 
and designing your curriculum because people are so busy and you want to serve the best. Less is more. And, and that took me a long time to understand. I'm a, I, I, I start to tire with my words after about six hours. So I, content for me is super easy to create. But when you're developing your training programs, micro, like micro segments that are accumulative are really important because it builds your credibility, but you're going to deliver more in less time. Because there's another concept I'll share. When uh, we were younger, we used to call it telephone, the telephone game. Sometimes there's another element. Um, there's a word. <laughs> For some of you, you may be familiar with this word. The first time I heard it, where I was called it, I thought it was an insult. So I'm not insulting you. It's called a shmi. So Chris, have you ever heard of the word shmi? Do you know what a shmi is? Do you know what a shmi is? No? Okay, so a shmi, and many of you may be shmis, just like I am. A shmi is a situation matter expert. So that's a very engineered term. They're like, oh, you're a shmi. So you are a shmi of your, <laughs> of your own information. I just, I laugh when I say that, okay? Meaning you are the situation matter expert. What does that mean? When you are developing your content for your students, you have a lot of information in your head. You may have book knowledge. You've got been there, done that practical knowledge. It's all this stuff that we want to help share and deliver. But we can create sometimes a situation where not only do we overwhelm our students, but sometimes we can create a condition called the leaky bucket syndrome. The leaky bucket syndrome has to do with um, if I just verbally tell you something and then you go and repeat what I've told you, and then whoever you tell, they tell somebody else, that person down the road may not have the same story as what I first spoke about. So how this relates to being mindful when you're developing your programs, you have a ton of knowledge in your head, but when you're delivering your courses and your content for your students, being crystal clear on who your student is, speaking to them as if there was only one in the room, because that creates this amazing connection. And then understanding what is the number one problem that you are solving in this course. That's it. One problem for today. You can create a fan base because the busyness of the world, the busyness and the overwhelm of all of the input that is taking place in our brain every moment of every day, less is more is really important because what you're really doing is delivering laser targeted information that will solve an incredible problem. And then you'll be able to develop amazing fans and students who will be with you for the long haul. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> you, you say something go about going from vision to victory. Mm -hmm. And apparently, I mean, it's obvious that you're a visionary. You can see stuff. And this goes back to your, you also used vision in your recovery from your accident. Very much so. Um, so teach us about vision. And, and how do people get from vision to victory? What's, what's in the way and how do we overcome that? amazing questions and thanks for letting me talk about this. So to get from vision to victory, it's, it's really interesting. Um, there are literally people and generations of people who were taught 
to not be visionary. In fact, my father-in-law is one of these people. He's in his uh, 70s now. He's just had a birthday recently. And we had many dialogues over the years. And I remember him always marveling at the capabilities of I can pull things literally. It seems like I can pull something out of thin air. I'm really crafting the vision. I, I see it in my brain. And because I have this unique ability to be right-brained and left-brained, not only can I visualize, I can conceptualize from the creative side, but then I know how to quickly put all the parts and pieces together to make it happen. And that's a very unique skill set. My father-in-law has shared that when he was growing up in his generation, that in school, he used to get reprimanded, not just he, but him and his classmates, they would get reprimanded for what teachers would call daydreaming, right? As humans, we are visionary. We are hardwired. We are born to create pictures. In fact, that is how the brain actually works. Chris, I can share something with, with you and with everybody here. This is one of those moments of insight that you'll never be able to experience, or at least I hope you don't, not the way that I did. But I want you to, just for a moment, if, if you can, close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to think about a forest, okay? Think about a forest. And I want you to actually see all the trees around you. Now, I want you to look for the branches of the trees, the leaves on the trees. I want you to smell the ground. I want you to hear the wind rustling through the leaves. And I want you to hear the birds that are chirping. I want you to take a deep smell and smell the wet ground. The ground is real green. It's got some flowers in it. The tree trunks are really thick and wide. The leaves are, are dark green and there's sunlight filtering through. So were you able to see that? Were you able to envision that? You can yes. open your eyes. Okay. So I verbally helped you create a story that crafted a picture in your brain. The reason your brain's able to do this is that your brain picks up everything. And I'm talking everything. And it goes through an amazing filtration system. So I'm number one, I'm not going to claim to be a scientist. I'm not going to claim to be a neurobiology expert here. So I'm going to keep this very kindergarten simple because I'm sharing with you the one day that I experienced that just absolutely blew me away of how, just how incredibly, incredibly amazing our brain is. Okay. So our brain is in, influenced every day with like double millions of megabytes of information. You know, it's, it's the subconscious. It's, there's the subconscious, which is running 90% of who we are. 10% is our logic. In the, in the United States, us Americans, we tend to operate mostly from our logic brain, not the subconscious. And that actually creates a lot of the stumbling blocks because our subconscious brain has been creating uh, buckets and baskets and filing cabinets and all these storage containers of information literally since the day that we were born. And what the brain's job is, is to take this data input, analyze it, categorize it, and store it for later use. 
Now, sometimes it's as simple as understanding the wind on our skin, the weather, the temperature, we're hungry. There's all these little parts and pieces. But then we were influenced over the years by other people's beliefs, what our parents taught us, our teachers taught us, what we would experience, our perspective at that time. Um, so we got this amazing resource in our subconscious of all these ideas. If we actually knew, and if you ever have to live without filters, okay, that's how my life was. That's how I lived. All those times, I'd, all my filters that are hardwired into the brain, they were broken. And in this last five years, it was shut off. That's why my body was manifesting things so differently. Anything, like literally wind, heaven forbid, if I went outside and wind blew across my eyes, I would start crying. Um, there were days I'd go into like a big box store and they would, I'd, I'd have to sort of ramble or motor through and the um, overhead filtration systems would sound like a B-52 bomber. It would make me stop walking. I'd start crying. I'd start howling because my brain didn't know how to handle that one noise. Well, this one day, this one day that I'm referencing about visualizing and why I'm encouraging you that if you think you cannot visualize, I guarantee you can. You've just probably been trained with other people's input to not allow yourself to visualize because the brain thinks in pictures. And here's how I know. There was a day where I was driving. I had a friend. I wasn't driving. Trust me, I couldn't drive. My friend came to get me. I had to go down to a business meeting in San Diego. We have a lot of traffic out here. I was riding in the passenger seat. And I lived in a world for a while. I called it life under my brim, under the brim. I had this big black oversized hat. I had big black glasses on, um, lots of layers of clothes because I couldn't let any, I had to protect myself from all input. I was sitting in the, her passenger seat of the car. Now imagine yourself in your car on a busy highway. There's cars going like this all the time. Any movement like this would actually make me seizure. So as cars were passing, I was seizuring. My friend was talking to me. She had the radio on. And more importantly, the passenger seats in our cars are more vibrating than the driver's seat. And so I was feeling every single vibration of the vehicle from my feet to my calves to my legs all the way up my spine. And it was so much. It was so overwhelming that I was starting to have a, a like, I was starting to have a really, to the lack of a better word, it wasn't a complete meltdown, but it was a really hard time trying to hold on and deal with all the overwhelm. It was overcast, which meant it was gray outside. And so we had turned down this busy freeway. Now we're on six, seven, eight lanes of traffic, eight highway traffic, cars going this way. I've got buildings to my right and there's some buildings and some hills off to the left. Here's how I know that the brain perceives everything and we think in pictures and so you can too and you don't have to work hard at it. The overwhelm was so much, Chris, that... I had to, to, to not have major seizures. I had to stop all the input. So I put the visor of the, uh, the car down because even behind the hat, the glasses, the gray sky, there, it was, the light outside was too bright. I dropped the visor down. I put my hands over these black glasses, this part of my hand, over my black glasses, and I was squeezing my eyes shut, okay? That's a lot of shutting off of the visuals. And what I saw in shades of gray, black, and white flash across my eyes were all these 
buildings, trees, and these very detailed shapes of leaves. And they were, they were just flying into my eyes. And it was freaking me out. It's the only thing I can experience and, and share with you, right? I'm thinking, man, what is going on? I opened up my eyes. I looked around. And I'm not exaggerating. Everything that was flashing on my eyes was literally what we were passing by. That is how powerful our subconscious is. So your brain is picking up on everything all the time. It thinks in pictures. So talk about vision of victory. How do you get from vision to victory? In my world, vision is about who you are. And in the world of business, entrepreneurship, right? You're, you're developing these classes. You're, you're, you're sharing your knowledge. There's the essence of who you are and you're bringing it into your business. Bringing the world of you and your passion and your business and your knowledge all together, what is your vision? Where do you want to be, say, 12 months from now? What is the end result? What is the outcome that you want for your students and your clients, your customers with the knowledge that you're sharing? So you have to have vision first. And that starts with allowing yourself to daydream. Allow yourself to really live in a space of what if. What if today you were actually crafting your perfect future? What if everything you've done, everything you've gone through has given you everything you need so you can perfectly serve the audience that is right for you? What would that look like? What would that feel like? What would that mean to you and to your students to allow yourself to live in that space? So I work with a lot of clients that they're stuck. They don't have a vision. I ask them, what do you, you know, what's, what's the purpose of your business? (laughs) I won't give you the name of one client. Um, It was one of my contractor clients. I asked them this a long time ago. I said, why are you, why did you choose this profession? And he said, to make a bleep full of money. I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) we all want to make money, right? (laughs) No, really, why did you choose this? And he couldn't answer. You know, so I help my clients get clarity in their vision. But to go from vision to victory, I have a program. It's called Vision to Victory. It's an eight-step process where I help you look at vision in eight different elements of your life and vision that help you become whole and make a lot of very important decisions so that then you can game plan how you're going to bring that into your business. Because in business, when you're crafting your programs, you're building and you're, you're going to scale up in business, it takes a game plan. It takes planning. It takes strategy. But you want to know where you're going to go first. And so that's part of what I do. The Vision to Victory is a program that I do. It's language that I speak. And I've developed over, there, over my time a whole process called Step Up that helps, helps businesses and clients do that. That's awesome. So if you're digging what you're in here, go um, with two Bs. And I have another question for you that uh, combines a couple of, couple things. Okay. Uh, one of them is you, you talk a lot about stages. And I think this is a very fascinating issue. I've been through a lot of stages in business. I've helped businesses at different stages. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to like not realize or see the steps or whatever. So I'd like you to talk about stages and also, you have a concept of businesses being upside down, and you help them get right side up. So I, I don't know if those are related. I'm sure they are in some way, but can you kind of speak to those two points? 
Absolutely. Okay. So the upside down business, let me start, let me start with that because it's very relative to the stages. And let me give you a little framework of how I came to understand this and why it's so important to know about. So like I shared, part of my personal journey, I, I was exposed. I was literally born into business. I'm the oldest in my family of my siblings. My parents bought their first business when I was four. They bought their second business when I was nine. Um, actually, when I was 10, getting a paycheck at nine. My dad wanted me to manage at the time I was 17. At 17, he wanted me to buy one of the businesses. We never really had a meeting of the minds of which one. And I had this other passion in my life that I wanted to do. So it was really interesting because that I, I came into the world of business actually with a lot of experience of being inside of businesses, running businesses from a very early age and helping to grow business. Like my whole thing, my whole world for so many years actually was around uh, sell, selling. In fact, when I left employment of my parents, I wanted, I went on and the only thing I ever applied for was sales jobs. I became trained in the concept of selling. I love selling. And why I'm sharing this and I'll, and I'll, and it's going to get into the answer of stages and upside, upside down business is that in my pursuit, you know, I'm, I'm an avid forever learner. Okay. I worked in libraries. I love learning. I love education. I, I love, you know, the fact that you support people in this space. And so I'm a high performer to go do my best and sell for other people. I'd ask a lot of questions and I'd either be thrown into management or I get fired. And that was kind of the reality. Eventually, you know, I moved out here, started my own companies and unknowingly the very first business that I started with my husband, it was in that, that time of that phase two, like literally like no joke. When we, when we met, um, I was in that second space where I wasn't walking the night we met, <laughs> he didn't know that I was, I had that physical situation and I always say, I'm really glad he's got rose colored lenses for me. <laughs> um, he's an amazing human being, but how this relates is that I lived through unknowingly building a business upside down. And so what does that mean? We started out, I knew how to manage a business, run a business, had a pretty good understanding of how to market and promote a business. He was really good at fulfilling the service that we are providing. So we blended together and I bootstrapped. When I, and when we say we bootstrapped, Chris, we bootstrapped. I borrowed $2,500. I <laughs> We borrowed the desk, the phone, the old computer with the floppy drive and many days how we built that business is I was phone calling and I'm not joking. Many days I was literally laying in bed because I couldn't get out. I could, you know, I could muster up time. Nobody knew on the phone that I had this physical issue going on. And so we built a business and we built it with just the two of us. We implemented really good business strategies, things that I knew were important, um, customer service, great uh, care of our clients, all the little attention to detail to create what I call a five-star experience. But what happened that created the awareness that, oh man, we built this business upside down is that it was time to expand, right? We time to bring on sales staff, other technicians, office managers, move out of being a home-based thing into a, a brick and mortar location. And as we were doing that, it seemed like it didn't matter how many more sales we did, we weren't making any more money. And that time of that business, we, we actually 
I, I invested deeply into my education around marketing, business development. I invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into my learning, how to turn a business around, how to market effectively so that we could have a really solid business. So, and we did, and the outcome of that is we did. We held that business for 14 years. Our next level up would have been to franchise for different reasons we chose not to. What we did is we created an exit strategy and sold. So here's why I share that story. Because during the time when we were stuck, okay, it, it, I want you to imagine an upside down triangle. On the bottom of the triangle, the point is on the bottom, that is you. This is, an, this is the typical model most entrepreneurs unknowingly get themselves into, okay? Great intention, great ideas, great service. But in our effort to do everything by ourselves, we are at the bottom and we're holding that business up. So this, everything on the top, the flat part of the triangle, the wide part of the triangle is above us. And so that's our customers, our pipeline, our sales, our knowledge, our content, you know, all the things that we do in business. And the, the challenge or the problem with the business that's upside down is that the business cannot survive without you. When you are at the bottom holding everything up, there is what it lacks what I call structural integrity. And heaven forbid, it takes one thing, one thing I call, there's these things that I call influencers, internal and external influencers. Um, I have many of them that we had to deal with through that development of that company that at the time I didn't even know that they were influencing us, right? One was 9-11. One, I had, I had an employee that stole from me and then there was my health. So those are just three things. But all three of those things created time where the, co the company can become a burden and, and those one thing, if it's the right one thing, it can implode the company, it can cause it to topple over. And so during the course life of a business, there are also these different stages. And so we go from ideation, meaning we've got this idea and we launch, right? We, we become an entrepreneur. Woohoo! This is really cool, right? So we don't realize that we've taken on a job. We're not just getting to do one thing. We have to do 50 things. And you've probably heard that. We wear all these hats. That's kind of the e-myth story, right? So in the, the life cycle of most businesses, though, what I've seen over the years since I sold that first business, we successfully sold it, and then I opened up how I built that business and renovated it is now what I do publicly through my marketing firm and the business development side of things. And there are these stages. Companies go from like zero to $100,000, 100 to about 250000 Then there's another stage at 250 to 500, 500 to 750, 750 to a million. Then I see other uh, steps at like one to 2 million and 2 million and up. There's the, at 2 million, we can have what I call leapfrog growth a lot faster. So the issue with stages and businesses being upside down. If your business is upside down, you're tapped out. You are tapped out. You can only do so much until you learn how to create a shift in your business operation model so that you are able to get at the helm of your business. And instead of holding it up, you are now leading the business, but you're also creating a foundation and structural integrity within your organization, within the operations, your systems, process, procedure that allows you to scale. So scaling is when you go to that next level up in growth. And what's really awesome, so I'm going to go back to the trailblazing, this whole concept of step up. In the world of motorcycle riding, um, for dirt bikers, there's, there's actually this thing called a step up. It's where you're going to jump 
you jump layers of dirt all at once. And think you can also apply it to if you're walking up a set, set of stairs, you don't just have to go. You go one step at a time. But if you've got strong legs or you want to get there fast, you can skip some steps, right? So what I've developed is this whole system called Step Up. These are systems that accelerate potential by unlocking profit potential. And so through our journey of, first of all, fixing our first business from being an upside down business to a right side up, I've taken all that knowledge and now I help my clients do the same. But it doesn't have to take forever. And so when you're talking about um, getting yourself to that next level, that next stage of entrepreneurship, there are things that you can do to help you kind of get to that next step really easily, not get stuck in a rut, but it does take knowledge. You have to learn a few new skill sets, but it doesn't have to take a long time. And, and that is part of the, the renovation of who I am and what I do and, and how I trailblaze. I'm trailblazing in education, my edu taking my education and developing new educational platforms so that I can teach businesses how to do this much more effectively because I have a personal, this is kind of a personal passion. I get really frustrated when I see businesses keep going out of business because that loops back into a really wicked cycle, emotionally, mentally, physically, financially. And I don't believe that we have to stay stuck in status quo. There's a lot of people in our country that think it's okay that, you know, massive hundreds of thousands of businesses open in a year and those same businesses, the majority of them will close. That's not right. And I want to change that. So um, I've just tried to create languaging and processes and, and programs that can help businesses stay in business longer. That's awesome. Thank well, you. for the listener out there, check out debrasweet.com. And uh, you've got a lot going on. What do you recommend as a good place for people to start to engage with your material and your mission? And if they want to follow you down the trailblazing path and learn from you, what's a good place to start and connect with you? You know what a great place is actually on that site, debrasweet.com with two Bs. Um, I have... There's a contact page where I believe you can, if you want to, I, I do this thing called a goal achievement session because I'm really very results driven. I love to have fun, but I'm very results driven. So I would, Chris, I'd love to offer to your students, if they wanted to do a goal achievement session, I'll offer them a half hour complimentary session. That would be an easy way to do that. All you have to do is just drop me an email and it's, it's right there on the website. You can, uh, you know, contact me and I'm happy to talk to you and see, you know, how can I help you get unstuck with something that you're working on today? But you can also find me on, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, in all the normal social media places. I'm, I'm happy to engage um, because I'm really on a passion. I think it's awesome too, Chris, with what you're doing. I'm thrilled to get to know you and, you know, I'm really excited to be using your platform to help develop, you know, develop my classes to help serve in a bigger space too. And I really appreciate what you're doing. So thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. And for you, the education entrepreneur out there, I'd encourage you to take Deborah up on her offer there. Um, it's always good to connect with other entrepreneurs on the journey. And yeah, uh, yeah thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Uh, we're going to have to do this too. again sometime. I could tell we could do it for like hours. <laughs> we could do it for hours. I would love to do that. And then maybe I will reciprocate and interview you later. I'd love to do that too. Sounds great. Thanks so cool. much, Deborah. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Have a great day.